Hey, guess what? Spring has sprung. You are about 15 minutes into it already. And the first day of spring also means it's National Ag Day. Welcome to Midday on the Rural Radio Network. Susan, happy Ag Day to you. Well, happy Ag Day to you, too. Of course, you know, we're kind of all chuckling because Mother Nature must have not gotten the memo that it's the first day of spring. <laughs> well, uh, it's rolling your way. That's all I can say. I'll take it. All right. I'll take it. Very good. Let's talk about what's going on here. I understand that uh, we have a big, uh, uh, lot of trade information coming in from the Farm Bureau. Is that correct? It is correct. And, of course, uh, trade continues to be such a hot topic, whether you're looking at markets or news. And the Farm Bureau had just released this morning Nebraska Agriculture International Trade. What it means to us, what it's going to mean to the state of Nebraska as things will uh, continue to heat up. That you can hear more about it. 117. Let's backtrack to 1245, where Nebraska's average ag land values have dropped 3% from 2017. Mm. We'll have more on that. And then if you have a loan with Farm Credit Services of America, be lookout of your mailbox because the cashback dividends are headed your way. All right. The check is in the mail then. The check is in the mail, but literally it's in the mail. It's not just a joke. <laughs> All right. Yeah, yeah, I think we can trust those folks for that. Thanks oh, yeah. very much. Uh, we'll uh, yep. listen for all that information with great interest. Thank you, Susan. Thank you. Jason Jorgensen has, of course, the sports mic today. Husker baseball team, they will be in Oklahoma the next couple of days, taking on Oral Roberts. Game one of that series starts tonight at 630 Central. Believe it or not, but Oral Roberts actually has a winning record against Nebraska all time. Really? And the two programs have not met since uh, the NCAA regionals about 10 years ago when Oral Roberts jumped up and surprised the Huskers 8 to nothing, So Nebraska's been a little up and down here with their midweek games. We'll see if they play better here against the Golden Eagles. Also, Creighton, they were knocked out of the women's NCAA tournament last night, losing to UCLA out in L.A. Still a great season for the Blue Jays. And really no surprise here. Of course, we hear a lot about one-and-dones anymore in college men's basketball. Trey Young of Oklahoma would fall into that category as a one-and-done as he led the country in scoring and also in assists. Uh, no surprise he announced today that he is headed to the riches of the NBA. Uh, well, I suppose I, if you average what he does, I think it's 28 points and 9 assists per game. You're probably ready to pump it up a little. I, it's just in the NBA anyway. In, in, the, in the world of basketball, that's what you do without question. Strike question, while the iron is hot. Yeah, Absolutely. And we go over to, uh, speaking of business, the business world with Rob Brogan. Well, banks and energy stocks were leading the early gains for U.S. indexes. Meanwhile, the Facebook sell-off is continuing. If you haven't heard about that, it's having one of its worst weeks as a publicly traded company. Meanwhile, um, United Airlines, uh, their pet shipping business on hold. It seems like um, they've given a ride to some pets to places on the globe that they weren't supposed to go to. So that is a little bit of a problem when Fido ends up in uh, the Middle East. So it's actually the Fido ended up in Japan. <laughs> oh, there are jokes just galore waiting to be. That's yeah, better than some other places. Right out of the park. It's a dog eat dog world. Anyway, right. those are some of the stories making headlines. And this is midday on the Rural Radio Network. 
Paul Perkins steps in for a look at ag weather, and it's brought to you by Coolman Repair. The long, long wait is over. Spring has finally sprung. Yeah, three months ago, it pretty much began and really didn't let up a whole lot. Mm, that's true, yeah. <laughs> because that first day of winter is when we did have that big shot of cold air, and then it ended up plastic pretty much for about three to four weeks, and we had like our fourth coldest four-week period ever and the coldest since 1990. It's yeah. been a long winter. Yeah, it absolutely has. <laughs> so we're all, uh, it's light, lightening everybody's mood to have a little sunshine back here again and uh, a little precipitation uh, that just left and more on the way this weekend. Yeah, looks like we could see another shot by Friday night into Saturday and Sunday. Looks like it's not going to be a big shot, at least right now. Still some light precipitation into eastern areas of Nebraska with some very light rain and snow mixed. Otherwise, the clouds still hanging tough, though. It's a central and eastern portions. Those clouds still hanging tough along and east of the line from about Broken Bow to Lexington, Holdridge, and Kearney, down to around Smith Center and Osborne in northern Kansas. And underneath that cloud cover, temperatures pretty much in the mid-30s. We do have some slightly warmer temperatures in the upper 30s to low 40s where we're seeing a little more sunshine over southwest Nebraska into western Kansas. Skies look to be sunny to partly cloudy today with some milder temperatures as high pressure continues to push in from the west. Those clouds and a chance of rain or snow will linger into eastern Nebraska. Tomorrow through Friday, though, a big warm-up is still on track with westerly downslope winds and a ridge of high pressure moving overhead. By the weekend, we'll see that ridge flatten as low pressure approaches. Rain and thunderstorms are a possibility as we head towards Friday night. Rain chances a little lower over the weekend into Monday as that area below pressure expected to track across the southern plains. There could be a snow mix if some cooler air mixes in behind the front. For the long-term forecast, our temperatures in Nebraska and Kansas should be seasonal to slightly cooler than normal Sunday through the 2nd of April. Our precipitation outlook starts with slightly above normal precipitation the early part of next week for both Nebraska and Kansas. Near normal precipitation is the call for the middle of next week through the 2nd of April. The National Weather Service just released their spring outlook for April, May, and June. And temperatures expected to be warmer than normal. Our best chance of above normal temperatures will be over north central Kansas. The precipitation outlook should be near normal levels. Not really seeing any signs of any big regulator uh, big uh, irregular differences either way so once again probably about near normal on precipitation for the spring months of april may and june something to watch though drought could start to expand into northern kansas and southern nebraska weather factors affecting market trade include favorable precipitation the last couple of days in kansas field work delays in the eastern midwest little rain for argentina and Beneficial weather continues for Brazil. In Kansas, some beneficial precipitation fell the last couple of days. Before much of that rain fell, though, Kansas winter wheat was at 55% very poor to poor. Oklahoma and Texas wheat, 60 to 66% very poor to poor. More rain is needed to end the dryness concerns and little expected in the southern plains the next 7 to 10 days. Drought continues to affect the wheat from southwest Kansas and points to the south, especially the Texas panhandle and western Oklahoma. In the Midwest and Delta, early field work is delayed the next week to 10 days by more rain, a mix of snow, and cooler weather. The Delta looks to be warmer and drier by the weekend, but another chance of rain expected early next week. Very dry weather in Argentina will continue to affect the corn and soybean development for Cordoba and Santa Fe. Our next chance for significant rain is Friday, but 
probably not going to generate enough to improve the crops very much, dealing from drought. Brazil's weather, though, favorable for maturing and harvesting of soybeans and development of second crop corn. The Ag Weather Watch with Paul brought to you by Kuhlman Repair. Boy, if we don't get something down there, there's going to be a lot of that wheat that's just going to have to go away. Yeah, it's starting to really burn up, especially as it starts to come out of dormancy and uh, not much hope in the next week to 10 days. Uh, But once again, our spring outlook, above normal temperatures expected here in Nebraska, northern Kansas, and near normal precipitation. All right. Very good. And enjoy your first day of spring. We are happy to have been a part, just to count it down, if nothing else. And spread the news. That's right. And when you need weather anytime. KRVN.com. A Brazilian meat packer sells U.S. cattle feedlot operation on this National Ag Day. Good afternoon. I'm Susan Littlefield on the World Radio Network. A Brazilian meatpacking company is selling its U.S.-based Five Rivers cattle feeding operation, all part of a $1.8 billion diversement of assets. JBS, the world's largest meatpacking company, was fined $3.2 billion after company leaders acknowledged paying about $150 million in bribes to Brazilian politicians, that to help to gain financing to expand the company. The Greeley Tribune reports JBS sold Five River Cattle Feeding it to Pinnacle Asset Management for $200 million in a deal that closed this past Friday. The feeding operation, which includes 11 feed yards in six states, will be managed by Acadia Asset Management. Now, JBS U.S. Operations is based in Greeley. It also has feeding operations in Arizona, Idaho, Kansas, Oklahoma, and in Texas. A recent study finds BT corn and its protection traits keep pests such as corn borer not just away from those cornfields, but fields and other crops as well. University of Maryland researcher Dilip Vengupal discusses the results of a study on BT corn and its benefits to other crops from the standpoint of pest protection and costs. When you have an option of BT, theoretically we should see reduction in the pest numbers in the landscape overall. So we looked at trends for the 20 years before introduction of BT and 20 years since. What we found was that after the BT introduction, there was a up to 70% reduction in numbers. And we could relate that directly to the adoption of BT corn. This provides quantitative evidence for what we assumed would be happening. The recommended number of sprays has reduced since the introduction of BT corn, and that is strongly related to the increased adoption of BT field corn. The higher the proportion of BT field corn, the less number of recommended sprays we have in the vegetable crops. And we followed that up further with actually quantifying the damage in these crops. We collected information on what people have reported on damage in peppers and sweet corn in untreated plots. And what we found over time was that there is up to 90% reduction in pepper damage if you compare the 20 years before BT introduction and 20 years after. Nebraska may be known as the beef state, but when it comes to agricultural exports, international sales of soybeans brings home the greatest value to Nebraska agriculture. That according to a report released by the Nebraska Farm Bureau. The report, Nebraska Agriculture and International Trade, is the latest in a series of analysis highlighting the importance of agricultural trade to Nebraska farmers, ranchers, rural communities, as well as the state's broader economy. You'll be able to hear more about that coming up at 117 this afternoon with Bryce Duskett. A study led by Cornell University veterinary medicine researchers reveals for the first time that water troughs on farms are a conduit for the spread of the toxic E. coli in cattle, which can then spread to pathogen to people through bacteria in the feces. 
The study was recently published in the journal PLOS One. Water trough appeared to be the mathematical model as well as the water can get contaminated in the potential place where we could break the cycle. That according to one of the professors of epidemiology and the paper's senior author, Renata Ivank says that the hypothesis has been tested in the field and it has surprising results. People commonly acquire infections from E. coli through cow feces contaminated beef and salad greens. The main toxin strain, E. coli 0157H7, causes more than 63,000 illnesses per year and about 20 deaths. That's a look at your agricultural news on this National Ag Day. Thanks for what you guys do on a daily basis. I'm Susan Littlefield, the Rural Radio Network. They say the check's in the mail. No, really, it is. Good afternoon. I'm Susan Littlefield on the Rural Radio Network. Farm Credit Services of America is once again sending out patronage dividends. The check's arriving starting this week. Ryan Kirkhoff is with the Farm Credit Services of America. Farm Credit Services of America will distribute $200 million in a cash-back dividends um, to our eligible customer owners. This includes farmers, ranchers, and agribusinesses in Iowa, Nebraska, South Dakota, and Wyoming. Now, this is something, this is something that's been going on for, for many years. Yes, our cashback dividends uh, reflect our financial strength to serve agriculture through every cycle. And each year since 2004, we have shared a portion of our net earnings with our customer owners. Counting this year's dividend, we have returned $1.5 billion to farmers and ranchers and agribusinesses. So Ryan, how does this cashback dividend then fit into what you see as a business plan? Our patronage program is one of the key benefits of our unique cooperative business model. It also is one of the many ways that we carry our mission of supporting agriculture and rural communities. At a time when commodity prices challenge many in the industry, Farm Credit Services America is distributing its biggest cashback dividend to date. This is money eligible customer owners can invest in their operations, their families, or spend in their local communities. You know, I always, I always find it interesting how you guys calculate what's going to show up in that check for that producer. Yeah, uh, the cashback dividend is determined by the customer's average loan volume uh, throughout that fiscal year. So essentially, the more business you have with Farm Credit Services of America, the greater the share of profit you will get back as a cashback dividend. So how do you guys send out the money? Uh, we actually will send checks directly out to customers um, during that uh, week of March the 19th. And so I always encourage customers to make sure and take time to run out to the mailbox uh, that week. It'll certainly be worth your trip. So why do you guys look to reinvest, shall we say, back in with those cashback dividends to the producer? Well, we are a financial cooperative. We're owned and governed by those customers that do business with us. So every year our board analyzes the ag economy and determines how much of our profits should be retained for our financial strength in serving the needs of our customers and the next generation in agriculture. The remainder of our profit is returned to our customer owners as cashback dividends, and we want stockholders' capital held as close as possible to our farmers and ranchers. We are here to support agriculture through every economic cycle, through challenging times as well as good times. Our 2017 cashback dividend of $200 million is one way that Farm Credit Services of America is delivering on its effort to be agriculture's most valued financial partner. And as he talked about, the local cashback dividends benefit the customer owners. 
They cover 281 counties and even more communities that they call home. As a result of the good year, the cashback dividends represent good business, the effort of every employee working to help the customers grow. Now, that number, again, that the Board of Directors approved was $200 million in cashback dividends. Cashback dividend checks are mailed to eligible customer owners, and that will start yet this week. Now, producers that want to know more information can visit powerofownership.com to learn more about cashback distributions of 2016. And also, you can review county-level and state-level cashback dividend amounts for their interactive map that they have as well. That website, powerofownership.com. So exciting news for folks who work with Farm Credit Services. That's a look at the news. I'm Susan Littlefield on the Rural Radio Network. It's midday on the Rural Radio Network. Time to check some sports with Jason Jorgensen. Hey, thanks, Derek. Well, a trip in Oklahoma is on tap for the Husker baseball team the next couple of days as Nebraska is in Tulsa to face off against Oral Roberts in a two-game midweek series. Head coach Darren Erstad talks about the keys for the Huskers in this one. But most importantly, we're just going to have to make less mistakes than they do. And when, when you know, the way we play is, you know, it always boils down to college baseball. Who makes the, the fewer mistakes who usually wins? And that's kind of been, you know, most of our season is when we make more mistakes than our opponent, we end up losing and we're going to have to be very sharp on the road in that regard. Herstad made his comments last night on the Huskers Sports Network. Oral Roberts actually leads the all-time series against the Huskers 20-15, to dating back to their first meeting back in 1972. And the last meeting was 10 years ago in the NCAA Regionals when the Golden Eagles upset Nebraska 8 to nothing. Tonight's game is set for 6.30 Central. Tomorrow's finale is slated for 1.00. Creighton women's basketball team was knocked out of the NCAA tournament last night, losing 86-64 to to a very good UCLA squad in L.A. Creighton ends their year at 16-13. and Other teams that advanced on to the women's Sweet 16 included Stanford, Mississippi State, Buffalo, Central Michigan, Duke, UConn, and Texas. Oklahoma star freshman Trey Young is leaving for the NBA after a standout season. The six foot two guard averaged twenty eight points and nine assists per game, and many projections have him going early in the first round. Young ended the regular season as the national leader in both scoring and assists, and he closed the year with twenty eight points and seven assists. And Oklahoma's overtime loss to Rhode Island in the first round of the NCAA tournament. Purdue coach Matt Painter says he does not expect starting center Isaac Haas to play again this year, even if the NCAA approves a brace to protect his fractured right elbow. Seven-foot-two senior was injured in their tournament win over Cal State Fullerton. Team trainers fitted him with a large brace to protect his arm, and he worked out with teammates over the weekend, but, but he was wearing a brace that would not have allowed him to play for safety reasons. One squad from the MIAA continues to play basketball. The Central Missouri women, they're headed on to the Division II Final Four. They defeated Lubbock Christian yesterday in their Elite Eight game. The Jennies will take on seven-seeded Union University. And bad news for the Dodgers. They're going to be without their red-headed slugger on opening day and possibly for a while after as Justin Turner has a broken left wrist after being hit by a pitch in a game yesterday against Oakland. That's a look at sports. Have a great day. I'm Jason Jorgensen. Stay tuned. More of Midday is just ahead. You are listening to the Rural Radio Network. In the News Center, this is Brandon Bennett. A getaway driver has been imprisoned for his role in robbing a northeast Nebraska bank. Prosecutors say 56-year-old Lynn Zolke was sentenced yesterday in U.S. District Court in Omaha to 17 months in prison. The robbery occurred April 20th in the Cumming County community of Bancroft. 
The robber, Jeffrey Bono, was given 30 months in prison. Governor Pete Ricketts said yesterday the time is running out for state lawmakers to pass tax relief. The ballot initiative is not the answer. It would create a disruption in our state, would mean potentially massive tax increases, and it is just not the approach we need to do. What uh, Senator Smith and I are working on with LB 947 is a way for us to be able to achieve property tax relief and be able to do it in a way that we can manage it within the budget without those kind of disruptions or massive tax increases. The governor's bill, along with two other tax relief plans, are all stuck in committee. Authorities say one driver was killed and one more was injured in a Hall County collision. The crash occurred yesterday morning on U.S. Highway 281, about six miles north of Grand Island. The Hall County Sheriff's Office said westbound sedan didn't halt at a stop sign and collided with a northbound minivan. The sedan driver died at the scene. His or her name has not yet been released, and the injured minivan driver was identified as 32-year-old Becky Thompson of North Loop. Authorities say a pedestrian has been killed crossing a street in North Lincoln. Police and emergency medical services were sent to the scene just after 11 p.m. yesterday, and police identified the man as 60-year-old Edward Paltick, who lived in Lincoln. The accident is being investigated. The vehicle driver's name has not yet been released. And two former Western Nebraska hotel managers will spend a year and a day in federal prison and be deported for enslaving and abusing their nephew. The Omaha World Herald reports 50-year-old Vishnubai Chidari and 44-year-old Leela Bunchadari were sentenced yesterday in federal court in Omaha. They both pled guilty to conspiracy and alien harboring for financial gain back in December. At the time, the couple managed a Super 8 motel in Kimball, Nebraska, and investigators say they paid their nephew's bond after he was taken into immigration custody in 2011 and then forced him to work for them from October 2011 to February 2013. All three individuals are from India and illegally living in the United States. The U.S. Justice Department says a motel guest and local law enforcement helped the man escape. Our app puts regional, ag, national, and area news just one click away anytime you would like it. In the News Center, this is Brandon Bennett. Nebraska's average ag land value drops 3% from 2017. Good afternoon to you on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Bryce Duskate reporting. The average market value of Nebraska farmland declines again. This marks the fourth consecutive year of downward pressure. The market values have dropped across the state about 17% since reaching a high in 2014. This is all according to the 2018 Nebraska Farm Real Estate Market Survey. Jim Jansen joins me now. He's an agricultural systems economist extension educator based at the Haskell Research Lab near Concord, Nebraska. Jim, thanks for being here. Let's first talk about the history of the report. The Nebraska Farm Real Estate Survey is an annual survey conducted by the Department of Agricultural Economics at the University of Nebraska-Lincoln of land professionals across the state of Nebraska. These include certified general appraisers that specialize in the ag industry, as well as uh, farm managers, farm and ranch management companies, and uh, agricultural bankers, along with some brokerage services for land. These folks have firsthand knowledge on what is happening in the land industry of the state who's buying, who's selling, what what are things renting for. They have a really keen insight onto the finances of the land industry, which is very dynamic given uh, the population base that owns it. Uh, average age of farmers are changing, so as the transactional state of things is also being influenced by that. So this annual group, we call them a survey panel because they are experts in their respective field, and they typically participate in the survey for a long duration of their career. So there's some folks that have 
participated on it uh, in it as long as they've been in the industry. Jim, let's think back to 2014, where market values have reached a high of $3,315 per acre. Now this year, in 2018, we're looking at about $2,745 per acre, according to the market survey. Talk about this, this dramatic change we've seen in just a handful of years. Yeah, so leading up to 2014, we obviously had some uh, very major events across the United States as well as Nebraska that influenced the commodity markets, whether it was for uh, row crops, small grains, cattle, uh, swine, whatever it might be. 2012, we had the extreme drought. Prices got ran up. The things that we need to uh, do to raise those crops, i.e. grow it on land, raise it on land, whatever it might be, the competition and the farm real estate markets, whether it came to buying land, renting land, whatever it might have been, they reached some very uh, strong values, market values of the assets in 2014. And since then, uh, you know, it was first uh, the crop prices might have came down a little bit and also livestock prices weren't too far behind it. And as that has influenced our farm real estate market over the last uh, reporting years, uh, in 2015, 16, 17, and 18, We've shaved a little bit off each and every year. The amount varies depending on the year, but uh, the markets are a little bit weaker off their highs. Now, they're definitely higher than they were 10 years ago, but uh, market values appear to be uh, down across the state on average, and there are still cases where we have pockets of the state where things are very active, but on average, things have declined some since their high of 2014. If we look across the board of Nebraska, it's, the survey is broken up into a number of categories, uh, depending on the region, everything from the northwest down to the southeast. And across the board, Jim, as you've noted, there is, the change is negative across uh, the whole spectrum of Nebraska, everything from 6% down to 1% down in the southeast. Did that surprise you at all as we continue to come off those highs from 2014? In years where we don't see drastic changes, and a change of 1% to 2%, yes, that is a change, but... Uh, and the years that we don't see the extraordinary changes like we did from, say, for example, like uh, 2008-9 up to 2014, uh, we're kind of in a period right now where markets, we're not seeing a lot of movement. We're, it's, it might be a little bit, I don't know if stale would be the correct word for it, but things are softening. We are having a little bit tighter times now for folks when it comes to the livestock or crop side in terms of the expected expected price for the commodities that we might raise relative to the cost of raising those. The anticipated value of what we're raising, so obviously yields are different across the state, as you noted in some of the regions you've talked about. Yields, prices, basis, you know, some of these economic forces are different across the state, and those get bidded into the value of what we're looking to buy, sell, uh, rent, whatever it might be. So that that's some, uh, one of the many factors that influence the different values that we see across the state depending on the region and the local economic forces. I'll show my bias here, Jim, when I say that I find this information incredibly useful and valuable for people in the state of Nebraska to be able to use as a threshold when you're looking at values across the state of Nebraska. So if people are interested in learning more and kind of studying this for themselves, where can they find this information at? Two best ways to find it. One way, uh, go to the website agecon.unl edu backslash real estate or another way go on a search engine on the internet and do a search for nebraska farm real estate report that'd be the second way to find it you can 
easily find information on there as well as historical reports if anyone would have an interest in that. Very good. And we will be sure to put up a link on our website. That's ruralradio.com. We've been talking with Jim Jansen. He's an agricultural systems economist extension educator about Nebraska average ag land values. Those have dropped 3% from 2017. On the Rural Radio Network, I'm Bryce Duskit reporting. Time for a check of the closing futures with Joe Teal of Great Plains Commodities. And Joe, as we take a look here at the livestock trade, they tried to come back several times in the cattle, but just couldn't quite make it to the green. Really had a chance there, but even faded at the end. Uh, still uh, uh, another one of those red days in the uh, in the cattle, and for the most part in the hogs too. But uh, the cattle. Uh, Finishing lower all the way straight across. Cutouts were a little lower at noon on the on the choice again, and uh, did hear of some trades taking place at 126, which I think uh, probably caught the the trade a little bit discouraged because hoping that it would be better than that, um, and uh, we continue to see liquidation uh, coming into the uh, cattle pits. So uh, that. Uh, uh, brought the lower close, and uh, we're still looking forward to that cattle on feed report out on Friday, which the uh, suspect is that we'll see higher placements. Over the hogs, uh, the uh, only ones that closed higher were the April and then back to the D Feb in April of next year. They closed higher, the rest closed lower. The uh, cutouts at noon were a little bit higher after uh, being lower yesterday, but cash. Maybe not as weak as it has been, uh, kind of held things together since we are uh, still kind of uh, uh, attached to the index. So mostly a down day again. That is Joe Teal of Great Plains Commodities. Contact Joe at 1-800-328-0134. You're listening to the Rural Radio Network. Step to the side beef, soybeans lead the way for Nebraska exports. Good afternoon to you on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Bryce Duskit reporting. According to a new report by the Nebraska Farm Bureau, international sales of soybeans bring home the greatest value to Nebraska agriculture. The information is presented in the report Nebraska Agriculture and International Trade. It's the latest information in a series of analysis highlighting the importance of Nebraska trade to Nebraska farmers, ranchers, rural communities, as well as the state's broader economy. Jay Rempe is the senior economist with the Nebraska Farm Bureau. What we're releasing today is a, a culmination of kind of three studies that we've released over the last few months. Uh, earlier ones that looked at NAFTA and the importance of trade through NAFTA, and then a second one looked at the Korean Free Trade Agreement. This pulls all that together and looks at total ag trade for the state of Nebraska and what it's worth to uh, Nebraska farmer and ranchers and the counties across the state. Rempe discusses the specifics and findings of the report. Nebraska in 2016 was the fifth largest ag exporting state in the nation. In that year, we, we exported an estimated $6.6 billion of ag exports. The largest in terms of commodities that, that we exported for ag or soybeans was top, corn, beef, and then distiller's grains uh, was next. Uh, the first three, soybeans, corn, and beef, were all over a billion dollars, and then distiller's grains about $300 million. Our exports in, in 2016 are three times 
the value that they were in the year 2000. So that is a, a figure that has been growing. It has been growing rapidly over the last few years, and that's largely due to a lot of trade agreements that, that we have, and then the growing world economic growth as well, too. Our uh, top customers for Nebraska are our NAFTA partners, which we've highlighted earlier, Mexico and Canada. But then uh, beyond that, you have Japan, China and Hong Kong, South Korea and EU. In an effort to help bring the value of agriculture trade closer to home for farmers and ranchers, the Nebraska Farm Bureau report identifies the value of agriculture trade on an individual commodity basis. And what we, found, what we did is take the 2016 trade numbers uh, for each one of the commodities and looked at the amount of production or the number of head of cattle or pork in 2016, the inventories, and came up with a per unit value. So we found for soybeans, uh, the value of exports, and this includes both soybeans and soybean meal, was worth uh, $6.27 per bushel. Corn was $1.03 per bushel, and that includes the value of ethanol and distiller's grains that are, that are shipped out. Uh, wheat was uh, $2.04, uh, on beef $169 a head, and pork $68 a head. So you can see across all those commodities, uh, when you're looking at the value of the exports on a, on a per unit basis, it, uh, it's pretty measurable. It's pretty significant in terms of the overall value that is provided. But what's next with the data collected? President of the Nebraska Farm Bureau, Steve Nelson. We will use these numbers as we continue to talk about the importance of trade uh, to Nebraska farmers and ranchers and the and the uh, importance of trade agreements and how trade agreements have been good for Nebraska farmers and ranchers. You can see that full report on our website. It's ruralradio.com. Broadcasting from Nebraska Innovation Campus, which is powered by the Nebraska Soybean Board and brought to you in part by Nebraska Soybean Farmers and their checkoff, I'm Bryce Duskett on the Rural Radio Network. Clay Patton on the Rural Radio Network, joined with John Payne, Senior Marketing Analyst with Daniels Ag Marketing in Chicago and publisher of the newsletter This Week in Grains. And John, before we came on, we were talking about this grain trade and from yesterday's volatile market with uh, limit move in KC wheat today, just nothing real exciting. No, nothing really exciting. Very slow morning. And in fact, I, I think a lot of the macro stuff kind of maybe leaning on the markets here. Um, hearing from cash traders I work with, that the farmers are, are starting to really shut down the amount of sales they're having. I think we got one more period here over the next three weeks where folks will have to make decisions, and then it's about new crop, you know, and what we're going to grow. So um, I think this is a fantastic spot here in the next 10 cents on the downside in December corn to probably get into some upside positions. So when that volatility rally comes sometime this summer and the expectation that it would, you can go ahead and you know, try to move product into it. That's that's the challenge I've found most guys have trading the summer markets is really not so much trying to pick the high. I mean, that's always something we're going to strive to do. But how much are you growing? You know, you guys are irrigated out there, so it's a little bit of a different animal. But, you know, you go south and you go west or east of you guys uh, where there's a lot of irrigation. It's not a guess so much, but, uh, you know, guys don't want to get too oversold early. And then when that summer rally comes, they, they, they tend to see their their outlook on yield shrink a little bit, so they tend to clam up with those sales. So that would be, I think, this quiet time. Uh, volatility in corn, 
soybeans are, are almost near record lows now again, uh, back to where they were before the runoff started. So I think that's uh, maybe that's the tact I'll take, but that's a trade you don't have to hurry on. I think we're going to have a lot of opportunity here over the next three to four weeks uh, as we digest this Argentinian corn situation and kind of look ahead about what, what the corn number is going to look like here in a couple of months. And then some outside market influence factors. The energies, crude oil, really having a strong day, and the uh, the equities market seeing some slowdown in their volatility. Is this going to affect maybe some fund positions or anything with grains? Well, a little bit. I actually think the livestock is probably the one you want to watch more. And it's just been a brutal, brutal couple of weeks in uh, in the livestock. You have constant sliding of pricing, and I think that's maybe what's uh, hesitant of some of these corn guys to jump in and take positions to the long side. I think tomorrow maybe it comes to a head. You have FOMC tomorrow in the, in the afternoon, uh, and then we'll get exports the following day. So I could easily see some turnaround into, into the end of the week, but I do wonder if the value point for December lies somewhere below 390, given that uh, um, you know we, we still have a long fund position that's liquidating, and it doesn't look like the wheat, wheat uh, breakdown is done yet. That is John Payne, Senior Marketing Analyst with Daniel's Ag Marketing in Chicago and publisher of the newsletter This Week in Grains. For more information, go to danielsagmarketing.com. Again, as uh, John pointed out, somewhat of a boring close here on the grains with we have Chicago and wheat up.